Welcome to Saving Tomorrow's Planet, the podcast that seeks out people from around the world taking action to save our precious planet. Well, today we're going all the way to Cape Town, South Africa to meet a fantastic young environmentalist, 20-year-old founder and director of Save a Fishy. Her name is Zoe Prinsloo, and it was a really inspiring conversation that we had and that we're going to listen to now. So without further ado, let's uh, start the conversation. So my name is Zoe Prinsley and I'm currently in Cape Town, South Africa, and I'm sitting in my little office at the moment slash store where I'm surrounded by all my little eco-friendly biodegrade products that we sell. Fantastic. Fantastic. So we're really interested in talking to you because you are young relatively, but you've been passionate about this subject for a while, I think. So perhaps could you start by telling us, you know, where did your passion for sustainability and the things we're going to talk about, where did that come from? Where did it start? Sure. So I started cleaning the beach when I was about 10 years old and kind of just grew from there and you know being so young it was very difficult to understand why there's so much litter on our beach and also being so young you know there's not much you can do I can go and clean the beach I grabbed my mom with me and we'd go down clean the beach and it got to a point where there weren't enough beach cleanup I just started posting them myself and inviting family friends the public to just come and join me so I'd say my passion for sustainability and the environment sort of started around then and it just kind of stuck with me and we're just still going strong great and i know that your organization if that's what we want to call it is called save a fishy now that's already yeah. got me intrigued as to where you got <laughs> that name perhaps you can tell us the story behind that actually a very cute story i was cleaning at my little adopted beach that i call i clean there every week i was cleaning amongst the rocks and i picked up a plastic bag it, it had water in it and as i picked it up it started moving once i you know calmed down i was like okay this bag's moving i poured out the water and a little fish swam out it was a very heartwarming moment for me that if i wasn't there at that time at that beach and chose to pick up that piece of plastic that fish would have died in there because wow. of something we as humans have created so the whole idea be behind save a fishy is that you know if you come down to the beach or if you're cleaning at home or in a park every piece of plastic you're picking up is saving a fishy down the line. Yeah, and the kids love it. You know, we encourage them. You know, you're coming to the beach, you're cleaning. It might not feel like you're doing a like that much, but you're saving a fishy down the line for sure. That's fantastic. Now, I know that lots of us have seen that uh, shocking image of a straw in a turtle. Mm. Could you tell me if you saw that and if that's been something that has been, you know, uh, impactful in South Africa? Actually, very much was. When I was about 15, 16, I saw that video. That sort of sparked the business side of Save a Fishy, selling the eco-friendly and biodegradable products because, you know, I obviously then vowed never to use another plastic straw, but I wanted other people that still need a straw and still like using straws to have an alternative to you. So I sort of hunted down alternatives to plastic straws and my range of eco-friendly products sort of started with that. That video and picture of the turtle with the straw in its nose definitely had a big impact in Save a Fishy for me. Wow, so you became an entrepreneur from the age of 15. That's uh, pretty impressive. Yeah. Great. Now let's go back to beaches and organizing people to come. I know that, you know, one can always have a big idea to get people 
people to do things, but actually making that happen in terms of how do you communicate to people? How do you get people interested and coming? Mm. Tell us the journey, Pat, because perhaps you started in one way and it's evolved over time. How have you communicated and got people to come down at a certain time and to help? I, you know, share a lot on social media. Uh, Facebook has quite a, a nice following as well. Apart from just not bombarding people, but making sure that people have a place to go should they want to help. We make that available through the Facebook page. From a young age, I've also been doing a lot of a lot of interviews and talks at schools and talks at different community groups, things like that. And through that, you get to tell people and make people more aware of big problems and also give a solution and way that they can help. So I think that has definitely helped gain sort of my volunteer crowd that support us. And just as a matter of interest, you say Facebook is more effective at, at bringing a new person in or is it that more direct contact in a community conversation, etc.? Have you got a mm. few of them? I would say it's equal. You do get the few that aren't so much in-person talkings. You know, they'll see the Facebook, put on their calendar, join when they can. But I definitely think the in-person is easier and better to get your message across. When people are face-to-face, they feel a bit more obliged to say yes. Mm. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I'm, I'm asking you now and yeah, come join the beach up with me. It really, once you start, you, you can't stop. I mean, I started at 10 and I'm, I'm not going to be stopping anytime soon. Good. So uh, tell us how frequently you're doing this because you've indicated it's weekly. Is that how often? About every Saturday. And then if there's any companies or schools that would like to join and they have specific days, say during the week, we'll do that. Um, so it's about every Saturday. And then also I enjoy Sunday sunset cleanups because it's, wow, it's a wow. beautiful 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 view you know we're at the beach doing something good and there's a lot of people at the beach at sunset on a sunday so it's very good awareness and visual awareness it's interesting the mechanics of this do you find the same people turn up every saturday or you get a mix of the same people plus new people what's the profile we used to have a few very dedicated volunteers then covid happened and it dipped a little bit and i mean even still we have a lot of supporters online and on facebook that'll share and you know really hype us up but the volunteers coming down to the beach aren't where I think they should be. So I wouldn't say it's a set amount of people every time. It could vary every week depending on the weather. Obviously, Saturday mornings are a bit tricky for people. They've got sports and lessons and extramurals and things like that. But I would say we've got a few dedicated volunteers that definitely do try whenever they can. So actually, there is something called Park Run. I don't know if you've heard about that, but it's a global park run of 5K. I'm just thinking actually part of the appeal could be, or maybe you tell me, is this is quite a physical thing to do. Uh, I mean, looking at the yeah. photos, um, most people are bending down. So this is like a serious workout. Walking, you're, you're squatting, you're bending. I don't know if that's the appeal to anybody or if they just see it as back-breaking work. What's your mm-hmm. sense of how people are seeing it as <laughs> a value over and above cleaning the beach? It is definitely a little bit of a workout. I do have these little floor grabbers that, you know, I do offer if there's ever older people there or someone who maybe has a back problem. Those make it much easier there's no bending or squatting then it's just very simple but you know we also have people that will come down to the beach and there is so many microplastics that people will actually you know just take a seat somewhere and clean around them and and they're happy so the beach definitely caters for all kinds all types all fitness levels for sure like you you fit in where you can and like i said even if you come and you pick up five pieces of plastic you have at least picked up five and you know removed them from that chain reaction in the ocean now do you have one particular beach because obviously 
see that around Cape Town there are some massive beaches and just doing one is probably a lot. Is that what you focus on, one particular one where there's a particular volume of plastic? I call it my adopted beach because that's sort of where I started. Every time I go back, it's dirty and it's littered again. It's sort of between a river mouth, sort of between two river mouths actually. It really gets the brunt of the litter coming out of there. Shall I say we're never bored going there. There's always something to do and something to clean. And I've actually heard people say that, you know, since you started cleaning here, it's actually better. I think that's nice that, you know, we've at least tried to tackle one beach, keep it clean. And yeah, just sort of focus on that one. Should anyone want us to go out anywhere? We will. We have gone to other beaches before, but I sometimes find it a bit wasted because there isn't much to clean and we actually have people looking around for stuff to pick up. So whereas if you come to the beach we clean, there's always something. Now, can you tell us the name of the beach, please? It's Milneton Lagoon. It's interesting because as I was uh, researching, you know, for this conversation, I have spoken to other people cleaning as a fantastic guy in Bali who's doing the same. But Mm. so much of the rubbish is actually coming from the land, from a river. And I was wanting to know, is this rubbish that's coming from the sea or is this rubbish coming from the land that's been thrown into the Mm. river? And you're intimating, uh, well, tell me, is it that it's mainly coming down the rivers from the land where people have thrown it in? Yeah, I I definitely think so. We've gotten before 76 nappies in one cleanup. I mean, the ocean is amazing, but I doubt it's going to group litter like that for us. Yeah, we have two rivers that sort of come down on either side of where we clean. Uh, One is the Black River, which it goes past a lot of rural communities and understand the refuse removal in those communities is sometimes a big problem. So their solution is throwing it in the river. And unfortunately, we deal with the consequences down at the beach. It's it's sad. I'm going to give you the name of this. uh, He's a French guy who lives in Bali and he's invented some uh, floats that goes across the river to catch the rubbish. So I'll just for your own interest, we'll share that um, after so you can see it because somebody might be interested. Um, Now, I'd like to come to your products because uh, this is also a very exciting area. So do you want to describe the sort of products that you have and how and the best sellers? We've got a huge range. The idea behind the business part of this is to make a sort of one-stop eco shop where, you know, you can come and get all your single-use plastic alternatives. So, I mean, we have things from lots of different journals and books and diaries all made from recycled paper and they've got cork covers, bamboo covers. We've got water bottles, glass, aluminium, wheat straw. I don't know if you've heard of no, wheat straw. I, having gone on your website and seen the products, it's straw that I'm most interested in actually because I haven't heard that. Yeah. Um, you've got both cutlery and boxes. So talk to us through what that is. And Wheat straw is a material made from the remains of the corn and the cob. So the that yellow kernel thing. So it's the remains of after harvesting that they usually throw away. They've now designed this product that they can use that with a lesser amount of plastic to help speed up the biodegrading of the product. So we have bottles, lunch boxes, cups. You might have seen the little straw set and a cutlery set also made from wheat straw, which is handy, it's convenient. It's durable and it's reusable. So it really sort of has the best of everything. And so tell me the construction there, because you just said, is it blended with plastic or is it just purely this wheat straw turned into like a cardboard material? It is. It's durable like plastic. So it does still have plastic in it or the, you know, that sort of element that makes it so durable. But it's such a lesser amount that this product will actually biodegrade, unlike plastic. So it's amazing. That's fantastic. And and are, is this a big commercial product? I mean, is this something where other people are using it or are you one of the few uh, people buying products from it? I haven't seen anyone else really selling, you know, the cutlery sets and the straw set. I have seen other products made from wheat straw. Um, but unfortunately, you know, the cutlery sets and the straw sets aren't that big yet. And yeah. 
I mean, it's one of our best sellers. People love them. It's lovely for camping and, you know, going out to restaurants and not having to use those single-use plastic knives and forks. Oh, that sounds really, really fantastic. And so is this a local South African manufacturer? Yes, it's all, I get most of all of our products within South Africa. Wow, no, that's fantastic. So first of all, what's your top three sellers, for example, just to know where people's passion is? Uh, sure. I would say the cutlery set, for sure. And then we've got, oh, we've also got these little sort of organic, cruelty-free, vegan shower sachets. Huh? So to try and explain that, it's sort of like a little bag or pouch. And inside it's got, you know, your soaps, teas, herbs, all natural beauties. And you basically shower with that as is. So there's no plastic packaging of the soap, nothing like that. And it's basically your, your scrub or loofah or cloth with your soap in one. So that is definitely also a big seller. People love them. It's unique. And yeah, the books. People love the books. People love stationery. That product you've just described, because that is very interesting. Is this something you've invented? No, no. It's actually made in Stanford, which is just a little up South Africa, by a local group of women. They go and they get all the ingredients. They sew it together, everything. So it's, it's very locally made, which I love. Uh, that sounds fantastic. So I'm going to describe again so I can really get a picture. So it's, mm. a, it's a cotton uh, container. Is it cotton? Or, yeah, yes, it's, it's sort of like a little cotton bag or pouch. Yeah. And inside there are herbs and soaps, etc. So you shower, you rub yourself, and then you With hang it, it in yeah. dries, And then the next time you use it, it wets again. Yeah. Gosh, that's fantastic. And how often, you know, what's the number of uses you get from it roughly? Do you know? Um, it depends on how often you shower. Yeah. Obviously, it's like a cotton bag, so it's sort of like an exfoliator at the same time. So it doesn't have to be an every shower use, um, but it can last anywhere from two weeks to a month. For wow. sure. My, mine lasts. That sounds fantastically innovative and and very. It's ticking lots of boxes, isn't it? Because you then haven't got the plastic of a shower gel, which is a big mm -hmm. issue. You haven't got the chemicals. It sounds like. You've got something that's completely recyclable and a new gesture. Yeah. Oh, well, that 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 is because it's interesting. I was speaking to a lady from the Philippines who's made a um, a shampoo that's obviously like a, a soap, a hard soap. You know, it's mm. there's no plastic as well. And I think this idea of sort of sharing ideas because to have a a shampoo uh, stick uh, or soap bar is also interesting because it avoids the plastic uh, as long as it can foam and so on. So to hear your shower product sounds fantastic. Great. So I'm interested in your dreams because uh, you are you put on your website you're 20 years old, and mm. uh, you've already an entrepreneur and a, an activist. Just if you were to picture yourself, let's say 29, I don't know if that's too far away or 25 or 29. <laughs> what's your dream for these initiatives you've got and for saving the planet, etc.? Sure. Obviously, everyone's dream, you know, would be just no plastic in our oceans, just seeing a clean environment around us, but. Um, we got to be practical and obviously I would love to do this forever I'm sticking to it um, yeah at 29 I'd love to still be doing this still be cleaning the beach and something I would love to see is just in the environment and how to care for environments more included in our school syllabus you know every grade should be taught it it used to be sort of a thing you know the basics were taught but it's kind of fizzled out a little bit and I think if it would be in our sort of cap system things like that it would be amazing so 
yeah, and I'm definitely at 29, you know, we're still going to be spreading our awareness, trying to educate wherever we can and just visiting schools and yeah, teaching the young because I mean, it's our future, it's their future. So Great. yeah, we've got to take it into our own. To be doing this alone is obviously a big challenge. Do you have a mentor or somebody who, you know, is able to give you either ideas or strength or support you or collaborate with you? That'd be nice to hear. So, which is amazing, is my sort of partner, manager and helper is my mom. So, you know, we do it together. Um there is no break really for us obviously you know we're still living together i'm staying with my parents still so you know every open moment is talking about saber fishy talking about our projects our plans and just prepping for things markets so yeah saber fish has definitely taken over her life as well so i'm, I'm very grateful i wouldn't i would not be able to do it without her <laughs> oh, that's fantastic and that I personally, I'm a big believer in the power of the family working together and, yeah. and lots of family businesses. And it's about you know, mothers and fathers and, and sons. Mm. And so, you know, this isn't a unique idea. I mean, it's not a it's not a shocking idea. It's something that, you know, yeah. is very, very viable. So if we were if I was to have a magic wand a bit, I'm always interested in the idea of a magic wand because it allows one to sort of think about something without uh, letting your mind uh, edit it out. So. If you had to, uh, I mean, I've been thinking a bit about this, you know, how would one uh, clear up the beach more easily, more powerfully, perhaps more effectively, um, if, and you had a wand that you could make that happen, what might be in your mind if you really wanted to step changes or do it in a mm. bigger scale, perhaps, because that may be your dream? So I would say my, my magic wand probably would have been used for, and what's amazing is we sort of have these already is those little like vacuum buggy things for the beach that literally just go up and down the beach and scoop up the litter um that would be amazing and i'm so glad that there are such such smart educated people that can actually design these things because i, I wouldn't know where to start um i'm definitely a hands-on activist so yeah but it's it's amazing i think that would be so have you seen one of those? Because that was in my mind, actually, which is, you know, uh, how does the mechanical world, an electric, obviously mechanical world, uh, bring the scale? And it's true that when I've been in certain countries, you sometimes see the beach has been beautifully prepared overnight yeah. so that the tourists can sit on something very, very clean. Is this something that either exists already with you in South Africa or it's something you've seen or it's something you'd wish? Um, it's definitely not as well known in South Africa yet. So I do wish, you know, I can I can't imagine how expensive these little device drone things are. So I mean, yeah, I think if South Africa could get it, their hands on some of these, it would it would make a big change for us. I mean, Cape Town is such a a lovely tourist destination, but, but it's it's so dirty at the same time. So I think we could really do some amazing things for Cape Town and our marine marine life so actually this sounds like quite an exciting so if i was to ask you you know what you might be doing at 29 it could be and i maybe even well before 29 that somehow you were able to raise the money or get uh, you know sponsorship from companies to be able to purchase one of these it'd be quite interesting to find out where they are how much they are and yeah and see if because i could imagine there might be some companies and the councils who would actually say we'd like to have our name stuck on that and to be associated yeah. with something so good so it sounds like that That's might be a great. bit of an idea for you to to reflect on 
yeah, there's always next steps to it, you know, yeah. we're definitely moving forward. <laughs> Fantastic. So last point, if you wanted to give a, a tip or some advice to an audience listening, you know, as they're thinking, how can they take action? They may not be near beaches, but they may be in cities even. What would be, you know, some of the things you, from all you've learned that you would advise other people to embrace that you've learned? Mm. Yeah. I would say people shouldn't be scared or overwhelmed by trying to save the planet. There are so many little things that you can do and steps you can take to start i mean just avoiding single-use plastics the straws luckily have sort of faded out now if we could just do that with the rest with plastic bags things like that and there are so many alternatives out there for these things um trying something like meat-free mondays and you know just incorporating that into your weekly schedule switching off lights if you're not using them and if you're inland and you say you know well i'm not near a beach i can't do a beach cleanup Beach cleanups start inland as well. I mean, all of our drains, they they lead to the ocean. So if you are inland and you, you don't have a beach, I mean, you can clean your park, you can clean your streets, clean around your school. There's lots you can do inland. You don't have to be by the ocean. Zoe, this has been really, really enjoyable, incredibly inspiring. I love your energy and passion for the subject and uh, you know, the way you're mobilizing people, both uh, in schools in particular that you've been mentioning, but in the community. So I really wish you a lot of luck and I'll share those other contacts with you. Yes, thanks. Good. Thank you for having me and for all you're doing and just hosting this podcast, you know, to sort of share our, our word and our messages and encourage other people to get involved. Well, I hope you found that as inspiring as I did. And also to notice the power of making connections uh, between people around the world that we're able to do through this podcast. And we always are sharing names and contacts with our guests afterwards. And also the power of having a vision for the future and you know where might your actions lead. And it's been great seeing some of our guests and uh, seeing after two or three years where they've got to. And every single one of them has made huge, huge progress. So please subscribe to Saving Tomorrow's Planet. Please tell your friends and colleagues about it. And we look forward to speaking to you and sharing our fantastic stories on the next episode. <laughs>